Welcome back, Cough and Bond listeners. We're here, Podcast 57. We're flying along in these uncertain times, but I think today's podcast is going to be exciting for all. We're just having a laugh, but this is an area that I think most Australians are, are into, they're excited by, and they all have an opinion on, but we've got in the experts, and I'd like to welcome Robert German from Full Circle Property Advocates. Robert, welcome. Thank you very much. Hello, Jamie. Hello, Tony. And thank you for having me on the show. No, it's fantastic to have you. We've uh, we've been doing a bit of work together recently. And I think with everything going on, I, I was very keen to get you in um, to give your thoughts on the current market. Um, and just by knowing the Australian culture, I dare say this will be one of our most listened to podcasts. I can, I'm just imagining the numbers now and I just think the clicks will come. Look, I think that um, the Australian dream has never been stronger. It's always been there, but it's never been stronger, whether you're an owner, occupier or an investor. We all like parking our money in real estate, and it's certainly a, a great dining room conversation. It certainly is. Um, so just, uh, just about in there, though, Jamie, I think the reason why we're going to have so many clicks is for once you haven't got me talking. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I'll, I'll just shut up now and leave it over to you two guys. If I am <laughs> if I am to look at the metrics of our podcast, the ones where you talked less, I think they it increases from there with our guests. <laughs> I'm, not a, I'm not offended at all. I agree. <laughs> but, Rob, I, I, let's start off, I guess. How has COVID impacted the market? Like, What are you seeing at the moment? Look, there's logistical issues that have occurred. Obviously, we're not seeing um, public auctions anymore. Yeah. Um, we're seeing auctions by way of online uh, means. Um, they have had some success, depending on the demand for the specific property. Uh, we're also not seeing open for inspections anymore. We're seeing inspect by appointments uh, due to government guidelines. Um, and that has obviously reduced the amount of people coming through and inspecting properties. One of the benefits has been though that um, as an agent, if you're standing at a property and you are booking appointments, you are dealing with true buyers. And if you've got a property on the market, you generally are dealing with true sellers um, because otherwise people are not wasting their time getting out in, in the public arena and talking to agents and putting properties on the market currently. When I guess with that, when you're bringing people through that are, I guess, true buyers, um, is, is it good to actually get that time with them to, to really highlight the property and show them where the value is? Look, Jamie, I haven't been an upfront troop in real estate. I, I run a buyer and vendor advocacy business. I obviously represent buyers and I inspect properties on behalf of buyers and I represent sellers wherein I place the properties on behalf of them using agents, um, agents means or agents in the marketplace to sell on my behalf who I believe are going to get the best results. And which I must put our little disclaimer in. We've sent a few clients your way and you've definitely done a fantastic job with them and got some great results for us. So I, I can well, what, be a well, testament well, what, to your yeah, work. One of those in Collingwood, he was offered 505 and you got him 542 uh, for his apartment there in Collingwood. So that was a magnificent result. Well, thank you very much, guys. I mean, that's all about just being measured and not allowing pressure to be put in places where you know that it's not necessary and just waiting your time out and making the right decisions at the right time. Um, yep. But And that's, look, oh, I love what I do, to be honest with you. Very quickly, I can give you a rundown. I spoke to a, a client of mine today and she said, well, Rob, what's the biggest benefit in using you? And I said, well, you know, I love what I do because of the properties I don't buy, not because of the properties I do buy. And the example that I used for her was that I purchased a property Sunday a week ago for a client, got the building inspection done within the three-day cooling off period, discovered water ingress into a basement area, and unfortunately had to cool off on the property and ended up 
being offered a $50,000 discount in order to proceed. And we said, okay, well, what we'll do is we'll get an engineer to do actually give us a, a report as to what this is gonna cost to get the works done. Um, we got the engineer through, the estimate came in at $150,000. And the client then turned around and said, well, look, unfortunately, I won't proceed, I don't want even the hassle. The vendor wouldn't reduce the price by $150,000, but what the client said is, thank God we had you on board and we had a, a process to stick by because we would have purchased the property and spent another $150,000 trying to fix it. Yeah. So that's what I enjoy. I enjoy measuring how to go about selling a property with good information and making good decisions and purchasing the right property with the right amenity and not making large mistakes um, that really, at the end of the day, cost you a lot more than a good consultant costs you. And Rob, I think I think that's one of the keys as well is, you know, a client that I've referred to you just recently, good long-standing clients, they're downsizing. So, you know, they're, they're selling their house and then looking at uh, buying a building down, up in Phillip Island. And, and down as you know, down in Phillip Island. Okay, <laughs> so thanks, Jamie. Um, but but the, the, the best part of that was, you know, they said, oh, in respect to the fee, they understand how it worked in selling the fees in respect to buying down there. Uh, how does that work? And I said, well, listen, you, you never know at the end of the day what, uh, what's happening and the value that Rob's added, but the value is actually there that he's negotiating on your behalf uh, with no emotional attachment. He just wants to make sure you're getting the best deal. And secondly, making sure that, like the example you just got, gave, not getting ripped off. Uh, well, when I say ripped off, that's that's probably the wrong terminology, not paying more than what you actually have to pay. And buying a property that's fit for purpose and, and will will serve you well over a lengthy period of time. Not buying a property that ends up costing you a fortune that becomes a boat anchor around your neck in years to come and a very negative outcome. Yeah, exactly right. So how, I guess the, that leads into, how have you actually seen, we, we've talked current market and there's proper buyers and there's proper sellers there. Um, pricing wise though, have we seen a decrease? Look, I do believe we have. Um, and this is, in my opinion, across the board. I think we've seen somewhere between a five to ten percent decrease in value of real estate, and that's as a result of a number of different factors. Um, I think there are less buyers out in the marketplace. Um, I think there is a little bit less confidence in the marketplace. I think there's a less lesser degree of job security, and I think there's a reduced uh, amount of business activity. And all of that, um, coupled with the fact that the lending criteria, I mean, Westpac came out yesterday and announced uh, their new lending criteria, which is far more onerous than what it was only weeks ago. And that's gonna be followed by you know, ANZ and Commonwealth and all, all the major lenders. So there's a combination of different things going on that obviously is dictating that prices have retracted. I think on second rate and third rate properties, prices have retracted a bit more than that. Um, I don't get into that arena very much. I'd prefer not to, to sort of trade in that space. Um, bargain hunters typically don't look at quality, they look at price, and I don't typically represent bargain hunters. Um, but I do believe this is the new norm. The only reason why we're going to see greater reductions, and if you listen to different economists, they're talking about 10, 20, 30, and I even heard one say 40% reduction in price. I think the only reason why we're going to see any more reductions in price is if the uh, the quarantine scenario continues for a lengthy period of time, or there is some major mortgage distress as we come out of the quarantine environment. Bear in mind that 
the government has put job seekers, job keepers, and that moratorium on mortgage repayments for six months in place. So I think is it's that, going to is be- that is that something that's been different to any any sort of market stress before that we've been able to pause our mortgages for six months. I have never seen that in my 35 years of history. Yeah. I've never seen job keepers before. Job seekers is, I think, just another repackaged name for what it was before. I can't remember what the name was, but job keepers I've never seen before. And I've never seen the ability to, to pause mortgage payments for six months. Bearing in mind that my advice to clients, and I'm sure Tony will have said this to his clients, if you can pay your mortgage, don't defer it because what you're doing by six months deferrals at the other end, you are creating a huge impact. Yes, massive. Okay, so and whilst it's there, it's there as a backstop, it's there to help people, but I wouldn't recommend that you, you, you facilitate that unless you absolutely have to. And uh, I'll talk about that if you want to later in the conversation when it comes to the commercial arena. Yeah. Yep. Well, actually, I was actually speaking to our commercial banker this afternoon uh, for some work she's doing for me personally. She said, you know, it's actually nice to speak to someone, Tony, who's actually asking for money and not actually asking to pause repayments. (laughs) (laughs) Unusual in this marketplace. That's right. Uh, She said 95% of their work is about pausing repayments at the moment. (laughs) So So so. with with that 5 to 10%, is is that across the board or are you seeing that more at a higher end of property or is that just sort of across the board that you're seeing at the moment? Look, I'm pretty much seeing that across the board. I'll be honest with you, I'm not somebody that operates regularly in the first home buyer space. Yep. And conversely, I'm not somebody that operates in that sort of 10, 15, and $20 million space. Yep. Um, my sweet spot is sort of a, around that one to two and a half, possibly pushing into that $3 million space. Uh, I have one client at the moment looking to spend between 3.5 and 4, um, who actually is a human rights lawyer in Kenya. Um, who, due to the change in the US dollar as opposed to the Australian dollar environment, has greater purchasing power. So okay. he's one, very interesting one. Um, yeah. Uh, he, he's actually coming out of this from the positive side of things. <laughs> <laughs> but most of my sweet spot is that one to two million dollar range. Uh, and what I'm finding is that the, the buyers that are buying in that space are driven for a purpose, whether that's because they're selling or buying or selling because their father or whatever may be going into a nursing home, whether it's geographical, whether they see a greater opportunity because of of, of a reduction in competition, they're out there buying. Vendors are out there selling because, again, they might have um, a need to, to cash up to get deposits for nursing homes. They might see an opportunity. I've got one client, for instance, selling in South Caulfield for about $2.2 million who's going to be buying in Mount Martha and sees that sea change as an opportunity because he believes that the um, holiday home market's going to be harder hit than the suburban Melbourne market and therefore he'll be actually selling in a stronger market and buying in a weaker market. There's all sorts of reasons why people are buying and all sorts of reasons why people are selling, but I can assure you that transactions are occurring without a doubt. Now, so with that and the weaker markets, how are you seeing a sort of long-term effect at the moment? So there's still development going on. You know, our tradesmen are still out there developing. Um, I can see developments sort of slowing down in that regard. But how are you seeing that long-term market? If we if we don't have people coming in from overseas to live here, is there going to be a further down, uh, decrease? Look, I don't think the market is driven by people coming in from overseas to the degree that people think it is. 
Um, as far as the building industry goes and the development industry goes, bear in mind that that is a six to 12 month um, lapse. Yep. Um, what we're doing now is we're working on completion, whereas what you're talking about is obviously new developments and new buildings. Um, that is going to slow down without a doubt. The confidence from developers has definitely reduced in a major way. Um, what we're seeing is a strengthening of owner-occupiers, um, a reduction in developers and a reduction in investors unless there's great opportunity there. Um, I do believe, though, with the current population and the current um, products out in the marketplace, that we will be okay. Where we're going to see, I think, some effect, and I, I always believe we've been seeing this effect, and this has been happening over the last maybe 24 months, is you, know, you, you look at the new apartment market, well, there has been a glut of apartments and that has led to, I think, a levelling, if not a reduction in pricing in that segment of the market. Um, I, I think that there was too much development in some suburbs in that space. There has been a shift from developers from that type of product to more of a townhouse type product. Yeah. Um, because I think that a lot of individuals that can't afford to purchase a home will take a townhouse on and consider it a home, whereas they consider an apartment a stepping stone. Yeah. So different type of mentality. Are you seeing any um, sort of suburbs be hit harder than others? Where are the sort of strengths lying at the moment? Look, I recently had a client that purchased in Frankston, um, in the Frankston High School zone, on the right side of the highway, the beach side of the highway. There's been some massive growth and some massive strength in those types of areas. I think that there's been some massive growth when you look at, let's say, the Mornington Peninsula, um, because I think that this work from home scenario, which was already occurring before COVID-19, there are people that have already realised that they don't actually need to live in the city or the big smoke, yep. and that they can get much better value 30 to 45 to even an hour, an hour and 10 minutes out of the city. Um, I purchased for a client um, in Safety Beach only six seven months ago. She runs a, a, a catering business. He's a project manager um, for large rebrands. And um, they realised very quickly from the businesses that they're running that they didn't actually need to be in Melbourne more than one day a week. And that's what they did. They bought in Safety Beach and they travelled to Melbourne one day a week. So I think there was already a movement towards that. And I think it was just gaining some ground or some legs. And I think that will continue to gain, gain legs, even more strength moving over in the next... 12, 24, and 36 months. Um, and Frankston is sort of on the cusp of that, where you look at Frankston High School Zone, it's a very good high school. It has some, some street credibility. People want to live in that space. And it's not too far away from Melbourne and has good train access. So I think that's going to be more of the shift. People talk about inner suburban real estate, whether it be Richmond or Collingwood or Footscray or Fitzroy. I mean, Footscray is another area that probably will gain more ground as well. Western suburbs are probably, in my opinion, a little bit undervalued um, compared to, you know, your southeastern and your northern suburbs. But at the same time, I think that people are realising that they don't need to be in the inner suburbs. And I think there's going to be a lot of ground um, a swell and a, a shortening of, of, of the gap between inner suburban pricing and more lifestyle pricing in, as I said, the Mornington Peninsula and Frankston, et cetera. Yeah. So I guess let's let's move on to commercial. You were mentioning before debt levels and pausing mortgages and that. How are you viewing the uh, commercial space then? Look, commercial spray, space is a very interesting animal at the moment. 
I think we first of all need to talk about, and you, your listeners will, will be very interested to understand, um, lots of tenants have had huge reductions in turnover. Lots of tenants are approaching landlords wanting reductions in rental payments. Um, understand that the government incentives that are there in place at the moment, or the government guidelines, um, do facilitate that 50% of any dollars that you waive in the way of reductions are just that, waived permanently, and 50% are deferred. And that's assuming that uh, the tenant will be here at the end of this whole process with the ability to be able to repay that deferred amount and continue paying whatever the new agreed amount is. Um, that also allows you to go to your bank and get your, your suspension of mortgage payments for a six month period, but not sure how the government thought that was going to help self-funded retirees who are living <laughs> off, uh, off income from commercial properties. So that concerns me. I think that the government's asking landlords to bear a huge brunt of the, the result of COVID-19. And I don't think it's fair and I don't think they've incentivized them enough in order to compensate them properly. Um, I, th I think, Rob, our landlord at uh, our new property is, as you know, talk, he's got a mozza from us basically because uh, we moved into our office. The next day, lockdown occurred. Uh, so we actually haven't used our office yet, but he hasn't got a dollar in rent from us because we signed such a long lease. He's got a, we had a six month rent free period. So he's actually not missing out on a dollar right now. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, he's not no missing yeah, out we, dollar, you're missing out because you've yeah. got a six free period because you spent money setting up the offices 100 percent correct and we're and we're actually working from home yeah you haven't been able to actually utilize that benefit yeah it does uh, look beautiful the office i have seen it online <laughs> so, <laughs> well i'm looking forward to coming and seeing it and look yeah. creative people in your circumstances going back to landlords and saying well i haven't had the benefit of, of this rent free period for six months yeah can we extend it for another six months and add that to the other end of the lease? Yeah, yep. Uh, and look, I'm not suggesting that that's what you should do, but at the same time, there is cost. And I don't think that landlords are actually being compensated fairly for those costs. Yep. No, yep. I can agree. We, I think a podcast about two weeks ago, um, property with Darren Marks, we're talking with Darren Marks from Rigby Cook Lawyers. And yes, yeah, it's saying the same thing that, you know, the landlords are taking the hit. Yep. And look, I think there's some challenging spaces specifically in the commercial arena, you know, retail. Um, Ruslan Kogan has come out saying that he's never seen such growth in his business in all the, I think, 15 years that he's been running it. Um, E-commerce, the, the, the growth in e-commerce, the change in mentality from consumers from a tactile purchasing environment to an online purchasing environment due to the, 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 the COVID-19 restrictions, I think is going to change retail Forever, I think that there's there's pressure on rents, there's pressure on vacancies or or you know, what will become vacancies, and as a result of that, I think um, landlords that own retail spaces are going to suffer because of it. And I don't know whether it'll ever come back because this is a, a permanent change in mentality. It's and interesting you say that, Rob, because I've never been a fan of uh, commercial or owning commercial or retail property uh, unless you're renting it out to yourself. Because um, I've always seen the risk in being, um, you know, tenant risk, and a lot of small businesses do struggle. And if they are struggling, they'll pay their own mortgage and pay the kids' school fees before they'll pay you the rent. Uh, whereas you don't necessarily have those same problems in um, owning uh, residential investment properties. 
uh, in regards to getting the rent paid by your tenants. So, you know, it's, but I've, I've never been a fan of owning commercial property um, for clients, as I said, unless, you know, through their super funds, paying themselves the rent, um, getting more money into a tax-free environment, that makes sense. Uh, but yeah, I've, I've struggled otherwise. Well, I would only be recommending a client to purchase retail if for the exact reason that you just mentioned, owner occupation, yeah. All the opportunity is just so great that you can't pass it up. Yeah. yeah. But other than that, I think it's a very volatile environment and I think it's going to remain a volatile environment. Yeah, um, I agree. We agree. Well, as you know, even our model portfolios, we actually sold out of property securities about a year and a half ago uh, because we saw the pressure on retail and in respect to rents and we saw a lot of high profile uh, businesses go out of business, uh, which can leave some gaping holes uh, in some of those uh, shopping centres all around the country, yep. even glo even globally. Um, yep. So, yeah, so we did move out. And thankfully, we moved out for different reasons. Uh, we thought it was overpriced anyway, and we saw the pressure on retail. We didn't know it was going to be, um, you know, COVID-19 that was actually going to cause the potential collapse of that sector. Well, who would have ever guessed that we would be in the predicament that we're in today? You'd be a very smart man, I think, and you'd, <laughs> you'd be doing very well in this time. Absolutely. Yep. I yep. do see um, some possible pressure on office space. Yep. I think that we've had a restructure of the way that we, we work. I think um, people have, have realised or businesses have realised that they don't quite need maybe the space that they've had before and that there's a sector of their, of their employees that can... Um, work from home, although I don't think that's going to be as great as what people are suggesting um, from the point of view that I think to build a, a solid and successful business, you have to have cohesion and you have to have interaction. And I think it's important that, that you have a space, a communal space that all your employees can, can actually come to. Um, it may create a different scenario wherein we see a shared work from home, work from the office scenario and a hot desk scenario. Um, where you don't have your own office you, or desk, you might just have a desk that you use three or four days a week instead of five or six days a week, um, which will then reduce the, the footprint that businesses will need. But I don't think it's going to be a huge effect. It's interesting, once again, you say that because um, we've uh, nine o'clock and three o'clock every day, we have our Microsoft Teams meeting with all of our staff, of course, all working remotely. But in saying that, though, um, I sent an email to all staff last week and I said, you know, probably the first two weeks of the lockdown, it was a real novel experience and, and was working quite well. Everyone working from home and, you know, um, being through Microsoft Teams, etc. But over the last few weeks, you can start to see the pressure because you don't have that ability just to get up and say, Tony, what do you think of this? Or Jamie, what can we do here? That ability is taken away. And for me, it, it's driving me absolutely insane because I'm such a social person. So I do a lot of meetings via Zoom anyway, but I, I love being face-to-face -face and uh, talking to someone you know, just re um, over lunch up in Sydney. And I said to her, I think I've already got 400 coffees lined up in the first week that we're all allowed back, you know, just to catch up with everyone because I do love that face-to-face you know, catching up. And we, we originally had to cancel our face-to-face -face meeting six weeks ago because of all this. And, you know, so it's, um, so yeah, it's just, it, when you're a real social animal, I know Jamie's a very social animal. Um, you know, his local pub's going broke at the moment with him not being there. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, um, but he, he's very social and as am I in business, you know, so it's, um, so I think that's the hard part, but I, I, I can see with some staff members that they work extremely well from home. 
And someone like me, I despise bringing work home. You know, the office is where I work. I, when I come home, that's where I play. Yeah, look, I, I tend to agree with you. I, I really, I'm a social being. I see business as a networking opportunity. Yeah. I love going out and talking to um, referral partners, to potential clients and clients, etc. Yeah. And I have really missed that interaction with people over the last sort of five and six weeks that we've been quarantined yeah no i totally agree with you where um, i do see some great opportunities though is in the in the retail in the uh, industrial commercial sector yeah uh, i do believe that um one of the benefits of COVID 19 and I, i'm sort of a glass half full man i look i like to look at well, what did we learn and what did we achieve by this negative environment and i think what we've certainly learned very very strongly is that we need to be re less reliant on china and we need to support our local manufacturing. And I think yep. as a result of that, um, warehousing um, and, and, and um, factoryettes and factories are going to strengthen. Um, and I'd like to see that the government supports local manufacturing. And that is also further coupled and, and enforced by an increase in e-commerce and increase in logistics as a result of e-commerce. Um, you know, they're gonna need somewhere to be able to pack, distribute and store goods in order to support the e-commerce or the increase in e-commerce business. Um, and hopefully they're going to need somewhere to manufacture locally um, because we're not importing from China anymore, I hope. <laughs> and yeah. not that I have a problem importing from China, um, but I do believe that we need to be far less reliant externally. It's about um, being internally reliant and supporting Australia. Yeah, no, listen, I agree. And I think, um, but, you know, you, you talk about the change of things is, Jamie, when he first started working with me, he was surprised that every day the doorbell would ring uh, in the office and someone would go downstairs and they walk up with a package because I've just been doing more shopping online. <laughs> so it's, uh, you know, I, my, my, my shirts would come from London and then all the guys in the office say, they're actually good quality shirts, good price. And now they all order online as well. So it's, um, uh, my ties come from the US, my shoes come from Portugal. Um, and the, you know, since, let's just say he's fussy, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then my in during lockdown, I just ordered. Um, now it's something I've never done before. Uh, but I ordered uh, two suits from MJ Bale because uh, they had some really. You know, I like an MJ Bale suit. I've had a couple before. I know their sizes. Uh, looked at the sizes of what I had. Ordered them online because those are fifty percent discount because everyone's in lockdown. No one's going to their stores. The suits turned up. They come from the warehouse. They're absolutely perfect. I was so impressed by them. I went in and bought another one last week um, and a new overcoat, So, it's, which will come from them as well. So it's interesting to say that, whereas historically I would have just went down to, you know, central, what's it called, city central, whatever it is in the city, um, and gone to the MJ Bale store there and got what I wanted from there and actually gone and done that. And, you know, instead, no, I've, I've gone, ordered it online. So that shift from them shipping it directly from their warehouse rather than actually me going to the store might actually start to that scale of do they need as many stores uh, when they have someone like me who you have the store to go and try it on uh, or do it the once and then do your, your sale comes through and you shop online. And that's where I've seen that now. And I'm old, Rob, but that's where I see, you know, even us old guys, if we can do it, I, you know, I understand why these young guys love it so much. Well, I think that you've just reaffirmed the change in behaviour that I'm speaking about, which will dictate what direction the commercial arena will go in. And of course, the commercial arena will lead the residential arena as there's more confidence in the commercial arena shifting into different spaces like 
um, as I said, warehousing and industrial and factory X and so on. That's right. Uh, that will support a different organic growth of business that will then support residential markets. And you're, you're not unique. Um, unfortunately, Tony, you, your shift in how you purchase and how you shop isn't unique. Thank God when it comes to employees from Jamie's point of view, you look for Australian made. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> very much so. Yeah. Rob, thank you very much for your time today. As I said, I, I believe this will definitely get the listeners um, in and their ears will be pricked up the minute they see the property. And, and I think getting an expert in that's seeing what's actually happening and, and feet on the ground and looking at the market at the moment, it's good. Um, and, yep. you know, there's a lot of hysteria out there. I think everyone's got an opinion. Um, but to actually hear someone that's working in it has been fantastic. So I do appreciate your time today. And just before you close off, Rob, sorry, I will just throw the disclaimer in there for everyone uh, who didn't hear Jamie earlier. We do, you are the only property advocate that we refer work to. We do refer our clients to you who are looking at selling. Uh, we have had nothing, you know, but wonderful feedback and even those who are looking at buying as well. So thank you for that as well. But uh, I will just use that disclaimer. We do refer our clients to you. Not a problem. Thank you very much. I appreciate all the referrals. And of course, thanks very much for having me on your show. It's been an absolute pleasure, guys. Wonderful. Thanks. Thanks, thanks Rob. Rob.